Welcome to another edition of Mind of a Madman. Um, this week we're going to have a little bit of fun. Uh, you know, the last couple of weeks has been all series talking about aliens and time travel. And uh, I thought we'd take a step back and uh, look at something that uh, it, it fits into this into this show. Uh, that is the uh, the uh, Simpsons time tr- the Simpsons time prediction. What that is, if uh, I'm sure you've uh, if you haven't seen any episodes, you've at least heard of the of the, of the cartoon The Simpsons that's on Fox Network. It's it's been on for almost I think uh, thirty years. Uh, well, what's crazy about this show is over its last twenty five thirty seasons, it's predicted a lot of things that have actually come uh, true. Um, so we're gonna look at some of the predictions that that uh, this cartoon has made and have come true. But first, as always, we have a couple uh, paranormal stories uh, to get into. Uh, our first one is entitled "Mars Orbiter." Image shows a crash flying saucer or something entirely, something else entirely. So uh, it says a tiny portion of an image captured in 2006 by the Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter depicts. Bottom of the Candor Chasma, a large canyon in the Val- in the Valles Marineris system of the Red Planet, according to University of Arizona scientists. But according to Gene Ward, whose hobby is researching anomalies on Mars, analyzed the image and spotted a UFO that crashed and skidded across the Martian surface. Of course, they might say that this that it's just a natural geographic feature or a shadow, but we know the truth. The disc-shaped object measures approximately 12 to 15 meters in diameter. Apart from moving, removing a few sand dunes to highlight the object, I didn't want to change anything else in the photograph. To see the anomaly for yourselves, it just makes it easier. Uh, so... It shows a picture here. Um, I'll put this up on the up up on the Facebook site. Um, I mean, I could see how how it could look like a UFO that crashed. I mean, it could just be a rock cliff hanging out of a out of an open, you know, out of a. It, it could just be a piece of a rock hanging out out of a, out of an outcropping. I mean, I can see both ways. But uh, like I said, I'll put this up on the Facebook page, you know, and you guys can look at it, you know, and you know, ju- uh, judge for yourself. Let me know what you guys think. Um, our second uh, article is entitled, This Strange 15 Million Year Old Shoe Print Was Recently Discovered in Nevada. This shoe print fossil was discovered in a coal seam in Fisher Canyon, according to uh, Fisher Canyon, Nevada, according to reports. Because this vein is estimated to be around 15 million years old, the footprint must be of the same age. A double-stitched line may be seen around the circumference of the fossil when closely examined. It seems to be size 13 with greater wear on the right side of the heel than the left. There's no way of knowing how it got there. Unfortunately, there isn't much more information than the snapshot in the location where it was discovered. This is the sole image of the discovery that has been po- uh, posted and no other information about the footprint's exact location has been provided. Some speculate that it has 
that it has to that it has to protect it from curious visitors who might cause damage. Some explanations have been proposed as to how the footprint on the rock was imprinted. The first is that the carbon footprint was recently was created lately and does not require millions of years to reproduce or to produce. An explanation is not supported by science. The second is that the 15 that 15 million years ago people or something similar to us walked around in shoes, which we have no historical record of. Third theory is that prehistoric aliens visited the planet Earth. Another theory is that time travelers traveled back in time and left this mark in the soft ground by accident. Um, I'm going to put this picture up on the Facebook page as well. Um, if you look at it, it's kind of strange. Uh, I mean, it is definitely the outline of a, of a of like a modern shoe. The tread's kind of different on it. Um, you know, the time travel me- uh, theory is definitely plausible. You know, the ancient alien thing, maybe. Um, I have a couple other theories potentially that could explain this that I've come up with. Um, we know that when there's a nuclear that when there's a nuclear reaction occurs, that uh, directly around it, the um, the carbon fourteen dating gets gets you know, thrown off by you know hundreds or thousands of years. So perhaps there was some kind of nuclear nuclear explosion, you know, nearby. Um, if you look all through the fossil records, there are there there have been nuclear nuclear there, there, there's there's material from nuclear explosions millions of years ago we can't explain how it got there but that could uh have you know uh made you know so you know, this could be be from a caveman who made a shoe out of you know animal animal pelts and stuff and then you know left this print there and then you know you know something caused you know the age to be off on it or you know is it possible that human beings have been on this planet a lot longer than than we have, you know, than one than one thought? I mean, you're right now. I think I, if I remember right, uh, right now, you know, you know they're saying Homo, uh, the, the Homo sapiens have been on this planet for approximately a million years, but you know, we keep seeing, we you know, we keep seeing evidence that keeps pushing that date back further and further and further. You know. Maybe there was a tribe of, of early humans 15 million years ago. I don't know. that. I mean, that's kind of stretching it, but... At any rate, uh, you know... And then, of course, this could just be a hoax. You know, there's been a lot of hoaxes, you know, and... Uh, so, I'm going to put this up on the Facebook page, you know, like everything else. Uh, I want you guys you know, to look at it. You know, comment or message me or email me and let me know what you guys think. Um, our third article is scientists just found a significant volume of water inside Mars' Grand Canyon. The red planet is hiding an appealing secret. Scientists have discovered a world historic discovery on Mars. Significant amounts of water are hiding inside the red planet's Valles Marineris, its version of our Grand Canyon system, according to a recent press release from the European Space Agency. Uh... You know, so basically, you know, we found a huge, a huge body, of, uh, you know, a, a huge amount of water on Mar- Mars, and uh, this is going to be, you know, important for uh, a number of reasons, you know, for scientific uh, research because, you know, the old saying, you know, where there's water, there's life. Well, this would be a great place to start looking for for life because there's there's liquid water here. 
Um, and then for uh, upcoming manned missions, it's going to be very important because we need we need water to, you know, you know, for you know survival of you know of you know of humans for agriculture on the red planet, um, to help produce uh, rocket fuel. There's a, there's a lot of things that you know we need water for, and this this is a great source. So you know, yeah, you know, this you know, and anything that we don't have to carry to Mars with us and is already there is a huge asset. Um, you know, I mean. When you put anything, you know, in the orbit, it costs almost its weight in gold, you know, you, you, to get it out of, you know, you know, in the orbit because of how much it costs to put things into space. So, you know, at eight pounds a gallon, water's very expensive to put into space. So if, if it's already on Mars, that, that's a huge advantage. It'll be a huge savings of money for us to get to the red planet and help us get there faster. Um, our final story is a neural network discovered uh, uh, the uh, Copernicus Heliocentricity on its own. So, what is Copernicus heliocentricity? That's the theory that um, the sun is the center of our our solar system, because before the time of Copernicus, you know, man thought that the Earth was the center of the universe and everything revolved around it. Well, Copernicus came along and said, "No, that's wrong." You know, the sun is the center of our of our universe, or of our solar system, and we all, you know, re- you know, uh, revolve around it. So, basically, uh, a neural network, also another name for artificial intelligence, uh, was able to rediscover one of the most important paradigm shifts in scientific history. Earth and other planets revolve around the sun. The accomplishment suggests machine learning techniques could someday help to reveal new laws of physics, maybe even within the complex realm of quantum mechanics. Uh, the neural network, a machine learning algorithm called SciNet, was shown measurements of how the Sun and Mars appear from Earth against the fixed, back, fixed star background of the night sky. SciNet's task, assigned by the team of scientists at the Swiss Federal Institute of Technology, was to predict where the Sun and Mars would be at future points in time. In the process, SciNet generated formulas that placed the sun at the center of our solar system. Remarkably, SciNet accomplished this in a way similar to how astronomer Nicholas, Ni- Nicholas Copernicus discovered heliocentricity. In the 16th century, Copernicus measured the angles between a distant fixed star and several planets in celestial bodies and hypothesized that the sun, not the earth, is the center of our solar system and the planets move around the sun on simple orbits. The team wrote the paper published on the preprint repository Eric's. This example, or this explains the, compl- the complicated orbits as seen from Earth. The team encouraged Sinet to come up with ways to predict the movement of the Sun and Mars in the simplest way possible. To do that, Sinet passes information back and forth between two subnetworks. One network learns from data and the other uses the knowledge to make predictions and test their accuracy. These networks are connected to each other by only a few links, so when they communicate, information is compressed, resulting in simpler representations. Sinet decided that the simplest way to predict the movement of celestial bodies was through a model that places the sun at the center of our solar system. So the neural network didn't necessarily discover heliocentricity, but rather described it through mathematics that humans can can interpret. So, this is a big thing because, you know, 
uh, basically we gave a, a computer artificial intelligence, and it discovered helium centricity within, you know, a couple of years. This took mankind thousands of years to 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 figure out. So, what this is telling us is, is that we're going to be able to more quickly um, make uh, accurate uh, predictions when it comes to science or or anything else. So, you know, as we're trying to better understand how how the universe works, how you know how uh, you know quantum physics works, string theory. Everything around that, you know, uh, this is going to help us predict because it can run, it can run all kinds of hypotheses and experiments, and you know, test all these predictions at lightning speed, and you know, and can learn so much faster than we can. So, you know, we can work alongside these computers, and we're gonna be we're gonna be able to make leaps and bounds in technology and physics and mathematics in the next, you know, the the next, the next couple of decades is gonna be amazing. Using this kind of technology, this is a huge discovery. So, so with that being said, that's our, our news for the week. Um, so let's get into this. Uh, these predictions made by the, the by the show The Simpsons. The first one, and and this one was uh, back in the early days when The Simpsons first started out. Um, it's the it's the uh, it's the. Uh, uh, a three-eyed fish. This was back in season two, episode four. In this episode, episode from 1990, Bart catches a three-eyed fish named Blinky in the river by the power plant, which makes local headlines. More than a decade later, a three-eyed fish was discovered in a reservoir in Argentina. Strangely enough, the reservoir itself was fed by water from a nuclear power plant. Now, as, now, now as we go along, a lot of these predictions are just going to be luck. Some of them, you know, I think we're kind of, you know, self-prophesizing, like, you know, like, we knew it was going to happen just a matter of time. Um, second one is a censorship of Michelangelo's David. This is Season 2, Episode 9. An episode from 1990 titled Itchy and Scratchy and Marge shows Springfield Fieldians protesting against Michelangelo's statue of David being exhibited in the local museum, calling the artwork obscene for its nudity. The satire of censorship came true in July 2016 when Russian campaigners voted on whether to clothe a copy of the Renaissance statue that had been set up in in the Cathedral of St. Petersburg. Uh, The third prediction. Uh, This was uh, letters from the Beatles. This was season two, episode eight, eighteen. So season two was was you know, full of predictions. Uh, the nineteen ninety one in nineteen ninety one, an episode of The Simpsons saw the Beatles' Ringo star diligently answering fan mail that had been written decades ago. In twenty thirteen, two Beatles fans from Essex received a reply from Paul McCartney to a letter and recording they sent to the band fifty years ago. The recording was sent to a London theater. The band was due to play at, but it was found years later in a car, in a car boot sales, by a historian. In 2013, the BBC show BBC The One Show reunited the pair with the letter, plus a reply from Paul McCartney. Number four, this is a big one: Siegfried and Roy Tiger Attack, Season Five, Episode Ten. 
The Simpsons parodied entertainer Siegfried and Roy in a 1993 episode called Springfield. During the episode, the magicians were uh, viciously mauled by a trained white tiger performing in a casino. In 2003, so just, just 10 years later, Roy Horn of Siegfried and Roy was attacked during a live performance by Montecor, one of their white tigers. He lived, he lived but sustained several injuries in the attack. Now this one, this is one of those self-fulfilling prophecies. I mean, you know, when you, when you work that, you know, that closely with, with tigers, I mean, I, you know, I don't care if you've had tigers in captivity for 40, 50 years. There are only one or two generations out of the wild. They are still a wild animal. I don't, I, you know, I don't care how how close you, know, you you think that you are to them. You know, you've, you've raised them since cubs. They don't see you as their mother. They see you or father. You know, they still see you as a meal. You know, so that that was one of the self fulfilling prophecies. I mean, it, it was bound to happen. Um, our next one is the horse meat scandal. This is episode 5, or season 5, episode 19. In 1994, Lunch Lady Doris used assorted horse parts to make lunch for students at Springfield Elementary. Nine years later, the Food Safety Authority of Ireland found horse DNA in over one-third of beef burger samples from supermarkets and ready meals and pig in 85 of them. Uh, autocorrect, episode uh, season six, episode eight. This is another one of those self-fulfilled prophecies. This is one of those things that you know, you know, a lot of adults suck at spelling, you know, or when they're in a hurry, that you, know, you know they spell things wrong. So autocorrect, I think, had you know, you know, was already seen coming. But so school bullies Kearney and Dolph make a memo to beat up Martin on a Newton device in an episode of The Simpsons that aired in 1994. The memo gets quickly translated to Eat Up Martha, an early foreshadowing of autocorrect fusions, or frustrations. The Simpsons was lampooning Apple's underwhelming Newton, the iPhone's ancient ancestor that had just been released and included shoddy handwriting recognition according to Fast Company. Natin Ganetrud, former director of engineering iOS applications at Apple, told Fast Company that this particular moment on The Simpsons served as as inspiration to get the iPhone keyboard right. Smartwatches, episode or season six, episode nine. This this again is another self another self fulfilling prophecy because. I think, you know, we've seen watches coming years down the road. It's just a matter of time before we actually got them. Uh, The Simpsons introduced the idea of a watch you could use as a phone in an episode aired in 1995, nearly 20 years before the Apple Watch was released. Uh, The next one is The Invention of the Shard, Season 6, Episode 19. The Lisa Wedding episode from 1995 came with a lot of unexpected predictions. During Lisa's trip to London, we see a skyscraper behind the Tower Bridge that looks eerily similar to the Shard, and it's even in the right location. Construction on the building started in 2009, 14 years later. So, you know, they had, you know, 
basically in the background, you know, they drew a picture of a building and it actually is there now, which is crazy. Uh, Robo Robotic Librarians, Season 6, Episode 19. Something I find funny, too, is how certain seasons really, really hit the head on the nail. Like, Season 2, there were a lot. Now, now there's a lot from Season 6. It's, I don't know what, what it is about certain seasons, but... So, in Season 6, Episode 19, in it, Lisa's wedding, we discovered librarians have been replaced with robots in the Simpsons universe. More than 20 years later, robotic students from the University of Aberthwith built a prototype for a walking library robot, while scientists in Singapore have begun testing their own robot librarians. The Discovery of the Higgs Boson Equation episode eight, er, Season 8, Episode 1 uh, Let's see here. In 1998, an episode called The Wizard of Evergreen Terrace, Homer Simpson becomes an inventor and is shown in front of a complicated equation on a blackboard. According to Simon Singh, the author of The Simpsons and Their Mathematical Secrets, the equation predicts the mass of the Higgs boson particle. It was first predicted in 1964 by Professor Peter Higgs and five other physicists, but it wasn't until, two th until 2013 that scientists discovered proof of the Higgs boson in a 10.4 billion pound experiment. It's about $13 billion U.S. Uh, there was the Ebola outbreak. This is Season 9, Episode 3. Some people maintain that the Simpsons predicted the 2014 outbreak of Ebola 17 years before it happened. In a scene from the episode Lisa Sachs, Marge suggests a sick Bart read a book titled Curious George and the Ebola Virus. The virus wasn't, predicted, wasn't particularly widespread in the 1990s, but years later it was the top of the news agenda. Ebola was first discovered in 1976, and though this latest outbreak was less... Was has been the worst yet. It killed 254 people in the Democratic Republic of Congo in 1995 and 224 in Uganda in 2000. Disney buys 20th Century Fox, Season 10, Episode 5. In the episode, When You Dish Upon a Star, that originally aired in 1998, Ron Howard and Brian Grazer produced a script Homer Pitches. The script is being produced at 20th Century Fox when a sign in front of the studio's headquarters reveals that it's a division of Walt Disney Company. On December 14, 2017, which was 19, 19 years after this episode aired, uh, Disney purchased 21st Century Fox for an estimated $52.4 billion dollars acquiring Fox's film studio, 20th Century Fox, in addition to a bulk of its television product production assets. The media conglomerate also was uh, has access to popular entertainment properties like X-Men, Avatar, and The Simpsons. The Invention of the Tamako Plant, Episode 11, or Season 11, Episode 5. In 1999, uh, Homer uses 
nuclear energy to create a hybrid of a tomato and tobacco plant, the Tamako. This inspired U.S. Simpsons fan Rob Barr to create his own plant. In 2003, Barr grafted together a tobacco root and a tomato stem to make a Tamako. Writers for The Simpsons were so impressed that they invited Burr and his family to their offices and ate the tomato fruit themselves. So this one was kind of a prediction that was forced to come true by a fan. Not quite the same, but it's still something that did happen. Faulty Voting Machines. December, uh, Season 20, Episode 4. In 2008, The Simpsons showed Homer trying to vote for Barack Obama in a U.S. general election, but a faulty machine changed his vote. Four years later, a voting machine in Pennsylvania had to be removed after he kept changing his people's votes for Barack Obama to once for his Republican rival Mitt Romney. Um, <coughs> the U.S. beat Sweden in curling at the Olympic Games. Uh, season 21, Episode 12. One of the biggest upsets at the 2018 Winter Olympics, the U.S. curling team won gold over the favorite Sweden. This historical win was predicted in a 2010 episode, The Simpsons, called Boy Meets Curl. In the episode, Marge and Homer compete in curling at the Vancouver Olympics and beat Sweden. In real life, the U.S. men's Olympic curling team won a gold medal after defeating Sweden, even though they were behind, which is exactly how it played out on The Simpsons. The victory is the second curling medal ever for the United States. Nobel Prize winner. Season 22, Episode 1. MIT professor Bengt Holstrom won the Nobel Prize in Economics in 2016, six years after he was bet on to win the Nobel Prize on, to win the Nobel Prize on The Simpsons. Holstrom's name appears on a betting scorecard when Martin, Lisa, Database, and Milhouse bet on Nobel Prize winners. Uh, Lady Gaga's Super Bowl halftime show. Season 23, Episode 22. In 2012, Lady Gaga performed for a town of Springfield hanging in midair. Five years later, she flew off the Houston NRG stadium roof in real life to perform her Super Bowl halftime show. I mean, you know, that's one of those self-fulfilling prophecies. As big as, as, as big as Lady Gaga was, especially back then. I mean, you know, she's big now, but she was even bigger back then. It was only a matter of time yeah, before she got asked to play the Super Bowl, so that, you know, they knew it was coming. Um, and our final one, uh, Daenerys Targaryen's big plot twist in Game of Thrones. Season 29, Episode 1. On the penultimate episode of the Game of Thrones, didn't Daenerys Targaryen's shocked fans when she and her dragon laid waste to an already surrendered King's Landing, obliterating thousands of innocent people. In 2017, on episode 29 of The Simpsons, this uh, titled 
the the Surfsons, which spoofed various aspects of the Game of Thrones, including a three-eyed raven and a night king. Homer revives a, a dragon that proceeds to incinerate the village. Um, there's other examples, but these are you know these are the best, most pristine, uh, you know, examples. Um, a couple, the, you know, a couple that. Another one I can't. I don't know the exact episode or, but um, uh, the Simpsons had predicted that President Trump was going to be elected to president. And this was years before he'd even talked about running running for president. Um, and then there was another one where uh, if you, if if you remember the uh, insurrection at, at at the U.S. Capitol last year, where a bunch of Trump supporters broke in and took over the Capitol building. Uh, I'm sure you remember seeing pictures of the dude with like the with like the with like the the painted face and the horns and uh well the Simpsons had a very similar situation happen on one of their uh episodes and there was a guy that looked just like that um you know who was involved and he was like you know one of the leaders of the whole thing well so, so at first, everybody's like, oh my gosh, you know, the Simpsons, you predicted that too. I mean, you're right down to what, to what the guy's going to look like and everything. Only problem with that is, this guy actually, he was a fan of the show and actually, you know, copied, copied the show. So, that one really doesn't count. So, um, if you have a favorite uh, prediction that you know, the, the, you know, the Simpsons have made, you know, uh, make sure you stop by the, you know, the, the, the Facebook page and write the or you know tell us about it what it, what it was, um, you know, you know uh, the more information you can give us you know the better, uh yeah I man I love to see your ones that you know, I didn't pick up on. Um so before we end the show uh let's look at, let's first look at uh last week's question of the week and then you will look at this week's or you know we'll get we'll get into what we're gonna ask for this week. Last week basically I asked you you know I you know I said you know right now you know. We're, like our main source of energy it comes from fossil fuels, from coal, from oil, nat- uh, you know, natural gas, and then you know, you know, we have some nuclear and we have a little bit of solar and wind. I asked you what you think, um, you know, what you think the the, the energy of the future is, is is going to consist of. Like, you know, is going to stay the same? Are things going to shift and something else going to going to take over? Um. The next 50 years, I mean, I got a couple responses, and they're all they're all over the place. I truly believe. Uh, well, all right. So there's, I really hope that we can get off of fossil fuels and get more towards renewable energy sources. The only problem with that being is that the world is still this this planet is still set up for fossil fuels. Um, it's you know. There's so much money in fossil fuels right now that, unfortunately, I don't see, you know, the, you know the, these big corporations moving away from them quickly, just because you know there's you know it's 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 how they've been making the, you know you know you know their money for all this time, and to go into other alternate forms of energy, it's it's going to cost money. I think that solar is going to definitely expand a lot more, especially as the technology keeps getting better and better. Um, 
wind power. I mean, although I do, you know, wind is helpful. Wind also has been has been shown to be you know, disrupting like things like like migratory birds and and uh, and, uh, and insects that, like like you know uh, butterflies. And to produce windmills, uh, a lot of fossil fuels are you know, have to be you know uh, made into production and into transportation. So I don't know that wind's going to take over, but I definitely see solar picking up a lot more. Um, I think we're gonna see a lot more things like in the ocean, like like you know, like the tide tide uh, energy generators, where like you know, you know, like we're like the shift of the tide. Uh, you know, you know we're to use baffles in the ocean to you know and and use like you know the motion of the of 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 the tides to you know uh, to uh, generate power. You know, and I can see him using things uh, to like you know capture you know, like the. Uh, you know, like the flow of like of you know of like river currents to help uh, generate energy. I definitely see those things, you know, becoming more. I don't know that I don't know that they'll overtake fossil fossil fuels in the next fifty years. I think I think a hundred years solar power will will probably be king. Um, although we also, uh, if they can ever figure it out, there there's there's this, there's a thing called zero point energy. Um. I think I'm gonna do an episode eventually on this to kind of explain what it is, but it's 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 a device that basically, I I guess you want to say it creates its own parallel universe, and you and you're basically sucking energy out of that out of that universe. It's highly theoretical. I don't know that we'll have that in the next 50 years, but uh, that's definitely something that might be on the radar in the next hundred years. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, you know, I definitely see solar power starting to pick up here. Definitely, definitely solar power. Um, nuclear power, you know, that's that still scares a lot of people. Although, um, you know, we currently use, you know, uh, uh, currently our nuclear. Um, uh, generation is um, we currently use uh, nuclear fission, you know, and it you know, and it definitely works. The, you know, the, the, the only problem is is that you know we end up with this you know this highly radioactive uh, plutonium, and you know it takes ten thousand years or more for it to be safe to even be around. So you know, basically, you know, it, you know, it, it you know it uh, creates all this waste, and you always have you know the danger of it of it going into meltdown and contaminating everything around it something that's on the horizon though and we're very we're getting very 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 close is nuclear fusion um and that's basically the kind of nuclear reaction that takes place in our sun and and in all stars um you know you know and, and basically it it's a lot cleaner. Um, it has no radioactive material that's left afterwards. You know, it, it's you know, our biggest problem is getting a fuel source to do so. Which uh, helium three is a big is, is probably the our, is probably our best bet at achieving it. Which the, which you know, the the moon has huge supplies of it. So I think if we could master nuclear fusion, we might have. Nuclear fusion might take over a lot too, but uh, I don't I don't see it being as one source 
that's the, that's going to take over in the next 50 to 100 years. I think it's going to be a combination. I think yeah, we're still going to be on fossil fuels for a long time. But, I mean, I I do see them starting to fade out in, like, next 40 to 60 years. I can see, you know, uh, fossil fuels starting to fade away. And, like I said, you know, uh, uh, solar will definitely start picking up. Fusion will start picking up and, and, and taking over nuclear fusion. And, you know... Maybe you know they can develop a better a better system of wind power, and maybe they can they can uh, figure out how to harness the power of, of of lightning. But you know, I think that in the future we're gonna have a lot of different methods of power, you know, you know, you know for our cities, because as time goes on and our technology evolves, we're gonna need more and more power. <clears throat> um, so, uh, so now, uh, I guess for. I guess now it's time for a question for next week. So for next week, I want to ask you, do you think we can trust artificial intelligence? Um, you know, we've all seen movies like, you know, uh, the uh, Terminator, you know, where artificial, you know, where we develop this artificial intelligence and then eventually it sees us as a threat and it wants to get rid of us and exterminates, you know, human life because, you know, we're a, a, a threat to it. Um... Do you think that we really need to fear uh, uh, artificial intelligence? I mean, you know, there's you know, the, you know, the old protocol where you know where where you know it's never to do any harm to humans. Well, we've already violated that because we use artificial intelligence in a lot of our a lot of our military drones. I mean, they're not 100% artificial intelligence, but you know, to a point, they are. So you know, we're violating that. Um. So do you think that? You know, we, we need to fear artificial intelligence, or do you think that it's something that will, you know, help us hand-in-hand hand to improve our futures and improve technology and our way of life? Uh, let me know what you think, you know. Do you think that, you know, artificial intelligence can be done safely, or do you think that we should avoid it and work around it and, you know, not use artificial intelligence? Let me know what you think. Um, as always, you know, you can go into Facebook, uh... You know, under the Mind of a Madman Facebook page, and you can, uh, you know, drop a line, let us know what you think. You can go on there and you can message me directly. Um, you can email us uh, at our email address, which is uh, moam podcast21 at gmail.com. Uh, and our phone line, we do have a phone line, but we're going to wait until we get moved completely into our new studio. The force are giving that out because it's just going to be a pain in the transfer. So, uh, I want to thank everybody for you know everybody for uh, listening this week. Uh, you know, if uh, you uh, want to you know uh, contact us once again, whether it be Facebook or email, um, all the links will be in uh, the comments for this for this podcast as always. And uh, so, thanks guys. Uh, until next week, stay safe.